welcome to the Stanley Street Social Podcast presented by the TAC. The road belongs to us all. My name is Alex Clements, and if you missed last the last episode before our catch up today with Jason Bartram on the Olympics, it's with C Sense, the a company that is working with the TAC to run a trial within Victoria to help bring data insights to improve our road safety and uh, overall experience right as cyclists on the road. So make sure you check out that episode we did last week with C-Sense, the co-founders. They run through their story and how they came about this product which drives data back to governments to help improve their cycling infrastructure. Today on the podcast, we've got an Olympics wrap-up. It finished up yesterday, uh, the entire Olympics, but also the track cycling, which is the main focus of today's topic. We talked to Jason Bartram, who was the women's team pursuit coach up until one year out for the Olympics uh, where he was replaced by Glenn O'Shea. He goes through that uh, exchange in this podcast. Um, but he's he's an elite sports scientist. Uh, Campbell and myself worked with him in the under-23 ranks. He's worked in the old cycling program for many, many years, uh, including that stint as the high-performance coach. And uh, we go through his story, his journey over the last four years, and then a little bit of analysis of the, the actual TP itself. Um, I guess it is important to note, too, that this is this is in hindsight, and it's obviously easy to look back and go, oh, that, well, that's where you went wrong, or this didn't work that way. Um, but I think as... Jason maps out at the start. They had, a, they had a very good plan, a very clear direction from the get-go, um, and the individuals were there to do it, the athletes, the staff, everyone was there to do it, and I think there is many, many learnings that come out of this and the changing uh, nature of each Olympics. It always brings something new, isn't whether it's the athletes, whether it's the tech, whether it's the way they go about it. So uh, a huge congratulations just to the staff at Oz Cycling for getting through a very, very tricky Olympic campaign. Uh, and I hope you enjoy this episode with Jason as we uh, unpack his journey over the last four years and the Australian Olympic campaign. A big thank you to the TAC for presenting this podcast and also to our apparel partner, MAP. If you do need some new kit, make sure you head to map.cc. But also, their uh, map off the tour has started on Zwift. If you're on Zwift, uh, make sure you head to their page or search map in the app. To complete all four stages, you receive an in-game kit, but also there's an in-real-life kit as well. If you want to check that out, make sure you head to map.cc. Thanks to Map. Thanks to the TAC. I hope you enjoy this episode with Jason. Welcome to the Stanley Street Social Podcast, Jason Bartram. I've been waiting for this day since 2013 when we first met in Lavinio. It's great to have you on board. Thanks, Alex. Yeah, keen to be on the podcast and share some thoughts. One of um one of Australia's leading sports scientists. You work with the uh, former women's TP coach. You work with the under 23 team. You work with Oz Cycling. Back in I don't know. I guess when did your journey start? What what was the first year that you joined the Join the campaign. Yeah, um, joined Oz Cycling or Cycling Oz back then in 2013, pretty much close to when we met. Um, before that, did a couple of years in Canberra at the Australian Institute of Sport. Um, yes. So where were your first interaction with uh, professional athletes? Yeah, that, the AIS for sure. Um, it was a pretty cool experience. They do a, they take on a bunch of interns each year or, or back then they did and um, straight out of uni I was I was super stoked to get a spot over there and um, what did you think of us as your first <laughs> as your first experience with, you guys were like you oh, guys. this is this is what I've been I've been <clears throat> busting myself at university for to to hang out with these hooligans no you got you guys are a lot of fun uh, that was really cool that experience to go up to to your camp in Lavigne. Um and, and uh, that's where I first met Paolo as well obviously Paolo Manasta yeah. Yeah. Um, former podcast guest uh, a very a very popular podcast with Paolo oh, really? I, spent, I spent the whole time trying to get him to say because I know, I know how much how much he's done but he's so um precise and to the book and and, and everything has to be exact I'm like God, just just say you invented Caleb's um, yeah. lead out posse Paolo come yeah. on give me more oh, he was so good at it a humble a humble guy humble smart, guy. smart guy yeah when when you saw our team did, could you tell, like, oh, this guy's going to be a pro? Oh, no, I was, I was pretty raw back then. Um, did you think I, me, I thought me, you were all superstars. You thought me and Flaky were the, the two the two next big things. Uh, mate, 
Hey, well, Flakey, Flakey fulfilled his potential. He did, didn't he? He got the BMC yeah, ride. and the BMC ride. So fast forward from 2013, you end up in Adelaide in charge of the women's TP squad after a disappointing Rio. So it was, it was a tough Rio for them. A new performance director and also Gary Sutton on the out. So like a, a legend of Australian track or cycling and then coaching. Uh, and also not just that, like from, I've never met Gary for context, but from what I understand, like he was a very old school, he was a coach and you're a sports scientist kind of like either ends of the spectrum. Yeah, what, yeah. what was it like entering that role? Yeah. Um, Gap, Gary was a, an amazing, amazing coach, and and I definitely learnt plenty from from watching. So so through the time while Gary was coaching the women, I was a sports scientist with the men's program, and kind of there was a bit of distance between the programs, but always watching from afar and, and seeing what Gary was able to do and how he was able to um, bring a team together. And gee, they, they got some great results through that window. Um, of course, unfortunately, they had the, uh, a crash in training right before Rio. Um, and and look pretty difficult to come back from that um i remember when the when the job came up so obviously simon comes in put puts the job up and uh i i, I put my hand up threw my hand up and said hey um I, I think i can have a crack with this and i think i can do this and uh i, I gary knew i was applying so it was you know i, I spoke to him about it as well um so it was, it was really quite a rough transition, you know, to see him uh, pushed aside and myself to get the opportunity. So a little bit, little bit bittersweet. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is a, it's a, it must be a weird situation where you kind of, you're not just taking like the old boss's role, but you're like pushing them out at the same time. Yeah. Yep. Not that it's your decision. No. Like obviously it's Simon's call, but it's still like a, a, a challenging scenario. Yeah, all I all I kept trying to take it back to was I had a belief that I I could improve the program and that I could do a good job, um, and and I had to try and hold by that and stick to that in my mind. What uh what were the main like what were your main focuses when you first hit that role like what were you like I'm gonna, like this is what I'm going to really knuckle down and get, and get to work on. Yeah, look, there was a few elements. Um, well, one element was just bringing a little bit more science to the the training and um and the approach in general a little bit more evidence based behind what we were doing really knowing the the why um the, the you know why are we doing any given training on a given day and, and what is the result that we expect to come from it um the other one is one which uh, there's probably two more elements that, that I, brought, I i feel like i brought in there and, and one was very much what i learned through working with the men's program and working with tim and that is just the sense of team and the sense of um, a bunch of individuals who are all willing to commit to a vision uh, and to commit to a single outcome rather than being individuals uh, and each, you know, each wanting success, but they want success potentially uh, over the top of one another versus wanting success for one another. Um, and, that's, and the third thing, which, which I remember saying at the very beginning, was a reflection from Rio uh, where with the men's program, we, we put, we put absolutely everything into winning that gold medal uh, in Rio and it didn't come off. We, we won the silver and just the emotional journey of how much that hurt. And, you know, like the, the I'm sure it hurt the athletes just as much, but the way we spoke about it and just lived it day in, day out. And then when it didn't come to fruition, how much it hurt was a little bit too much for me. And it made me reflect a little bit on, on how much we glorify the gold medal um, and so I wanted to, it's actually a, a cool runnings quote, which, which I pulled out, which, which I really like. It's, uh, <laughs> J- John Candy. And he, and he says, he's trying to explain why he cheated or how, how he regrets cheating in the bobsled. Um, and he says, I think it's Maurice is the guy, but he says, if you're not enough of a man without a gold medal, then you're not going to be enough of a man with a gold medal. Um, so just kind of remembering that these are people. We're people first. We do our absolute best, but at the end of the day, you can't you can't control whether you do get that gold or not. Interesting to get your thoughts on point two. So about the team, sure. like that that is a tricky scenario to foster though, because you've got 
how many athletes at the start of an Olympic cycle that are going for these four spots or five yeah. potentially? Yep. Because they, they are competing. So how do, you, how do you build that sense of team when realistically they are going head-to-head trying to push each other out by getting stronger than the yep. other? Yep. Um, I, th- I think I got, I got better at it over time in the role, but for me it was having fair and upfront conversations around how selection would unfold. Uh, how people would earn those spots and if you get to a situation where it's fairly clear that you're not the strongest rider on the team or you're not in the top four um, then you can at least be satisfied knowing hey I gave it my all to get there and I also helped support those other girls to get there so we we talked a lot around um, I guess playing your role within the team whether that role be being just in the training environment and pushing other girls to new levels uh or, or to actually get the ride done at the end of the mm. day. Was that tricky when it seemed like from the outside there wasn't a whole lot of transparency coming from some of the other team teams within CA and like there was some some bad bad press, I guess, coming from some of the athletes that I was talking to around like, oh, we just we just got cut. Like that was it. There was there was no transparency. Sure. I, I guess that's where I talk about getting better. You know, I, I was a part of that as well. Um, we, we had some pressure from the high performance director at the time around squad sizes, and we had to make some, some really, really tricky calls, um, Mm. to, to fit a bigger number of riders into a smaller number of riders. And yeah. And, and, and to play to your point, your third point about being more than just a medal, like that's an athlete's career on the line. And especially when they're so, especially the one, the ones I really feel for the sprinters, like when you've got that is it like all you all you need is that all you have and all you can go for is the track you can't really become a a roadie afterwards that is that's a it's a savage sport isn't it cycling isn't it yep so you got in there was it all going well like how how were things built because obviously we had such a successful come games worlds were going well like talk to me about how things went in those first couple of years yeah, for sure. Um, and talk about the men's too. Like, obviously, I remember Wellsford talking about, like, that you guys were training a lot more together. You're doing a lot more as one unit. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, look, coming into the role to start with, it was was a big step up for me, you know, and a, a really good opportunity. So I was throwing myself at it. At it and uh, um, Com Games was the first goal we worked towards that year. Um, one of Simon's initiatives was for us to travel less and that involved us not going to the world championships. I don't know if you remember, it was a bit of a controversial decision at the time to sit out the 2018 world champs and focus just on com games. Um, but, but that's, that's the way we played it. And yeah, it was, it was, um, yeah, it was actually, it felt like quite a short prep kind of going in towards com games, trying try to, uh, we had a few girls who were over in Europe, a few girls in the States, like when I first took on the role. So it was like trying to slowly drag people back into the track and just to, to try to create that sense of team. But yeah, 2018, fast forward to 2019. Um, and yeah, we, we were on top of the world that, that season, that year. Um, things, things really clicked and, and we, we laid down some good results over in Poland and um, yeah, I just, just remember that feeling of, of winning. It was an amazing feeling in Poland at the World Champs. And I just remember trying to keep a lid on my emotions and, and, and even had a chat with Simon about it around, we, we know we've done this before as a country. We know we've managed to succeed in those middle World Championships. And just to make sure that we, we do um, keep some perspective on it and, and keep trying to make sure we're peaking for the Olympic Games. Was that something you were conscious of from the get-go because we we have like the strongest track record of just delivering 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 and almost being there almost just like gb just get us every time at the olympics you're like oh it cuts you again yeah absolutely plenty of internal chat about it um trying to make sure that we could we could create programs that would allow us to peak at the games uh the, the trickiest part being probably what you saw at the 2020 world champs when performances weren't quite on track, um, which, which uh, of course you go to every world champs trying to win, but 
uh, part of our performance plan was to train, somewhat train through the 2020 World Champs and try and peak at the Olympics. Uh, and then, then you obviously saw a, a large reaction from our performance director uh, when the results didn't, didn't fall, um, you know, high up on the, on the leaderboard. So what, ha- what actually happened there? Remember, uh, like what, what actually, so that, that games, so you mm. guys, were you guys going there expecting not to deliver? Obviously the Danes rode and uh, kind of, who, who won the women's TP? Uh, was it GB? Or I think the, maybe the US got them. The US got them. Um, yeah. With Chloe just dragging the team. Chloe around. was in some good form. Yeah. yeah good, Very good, good form. form. So, so you guys both missed, missed performance targets or was it like, Nah, no worries, guys. We we are, we've got this bigger bigger picture goal. Uh, there's this milestone out that's out there, but we know that we're going to be in the best nick for the games. Yeah, I mean, um, every every race, every checkpoint, every time you go out and try and perform, you you take stock and you take assessment. You have expectations going in as far as how well you're going to go. Uh, you know the things you did to get to that point, and um, it was the same for that world. In my mind, we went there. There were a few things that weren't quite right and a few things that we needed to fix up. Uh, I felt confident that we had time time to tidy them up and fix them. Yeah. What wasn't right? We had a few things regarding our physical prep that I think needed changing. And we had a few things regarding our aerodynamics, um, some of our some of our setup that was and, and again, that, that was part of the journey, right? We 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 got to see GB do it a couple of years in a row now where they um, on race day at the Olympic games, they pull out this tech that is just light years above what, what we ever imagined. And, and they, they managed to, to beat us. So part of our plan was, was to try and do quite similar where um, at the Olympic games, we had made sure we had the best tech. Um, yeah. Is that- to, get our, to get ourselves a result. Sorry. So the plan was to un- unravel the, crazy forks and um, skin suits and yada, yada, yada at the actual games and, and not, not debut beforehand. The, the complete package. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Not till the games, everything that the UCI were a bit better in their rules. Um, it complicated as always with the UCI, but yeah, every piece of equipment had to be ridden at some stage prior to, um, but putting it all together in that final package. Yes. Was supposed to be saved till the games. And what about the physical part? Like, was that was that part of the plan as well, or were you were you, were you actually thinking, oh, this we're we're a little bit underdone here? Yeah, um, I, I do think we're a little underdone. Um, we had um, so so we peaked for the Brisbane World Cup, which was probably three months earlier. Uh, we we had a little bit of time off after that, like a, a very small small amount, uh, and then we we did a little a little mini prep for the worlds, but. There's definitely some, you know, as any coach does, you you tweak you tweak plans and you you make calls. And I think from the results that unfolded, it shows that we we needed to get a little bit more physical work done um, mm. before competing again. How how far has sports science come in terms of like being actually able to depict? All right, we are going to be flying at the Olympic Games. Like, what what was your confidence level that? from that world championship, from the Brisbane to the Worlds to the Olympics, that you were going to be able to deliver a team that was riding X time? Gee, mate, yeah, you just, you just don't know. Um, you, you can track rider progressions and you can try and, you know, say, okay, we've got this up our sleeve. We can still change this. We can still make this. Um, you, you could look at individual rider performances and say, okay, this is the best we've seen from each rider. If we can get everyone on their best on the day and we combine them together, that's the result that's going to unfold. Um, you can't, you can't tell though, Alex. Yeah. Yeah. Still so many unknowns, unknown variables in there. Yeah. And we, and at that point, were you guys all about the, the two teams pursuit races? Absolutely. Yeah. Was there any kind of desire to have a rider that was in, in condition to do the Madison and the Omnium? Or was that just uh, like an added bonus that was kind of on the side? Yeah, look, I, I think one of the catchphrases that probably frames up the, the strategy for the last few years is what I would call aggressive event prioritization. So, I mean, we know that um, straight up there was a, 
a cut to the road development program in order to go all in on the track. And then even beyond that, within the track, there were certain events that we were, we were targeting um, to perform. And, and that was the timed events. So team pursuits and team sprints. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess the, the game plan there is, okay, so we focus our prep on the TP, um, but then we use the strengths of that TP prep to try and put forward our best possible races in, in the Omnium and the Madison. Yeah. Post uh, Worlds, obviously the world had a little hiccup. COVID came along and then the Olympics was all of a sudden a year out. And we had the pangolin, and, the mighty pangolin. Yeah. We had a bit of time to um, to sit down and, and regroup before the actual Olympics. Well, even, even the actual Olympics, like we thought it was going to be on, but there was no guarantee that it was going to be on. The thought yeah. of bringing together the entire world just seemed crazy until two weeks ago when Tokyo delivered, delivered it somehow. Uh, and then also for you, yourself personally, there was, there was a massive change that the, you were no longer the head of the women's, women's program. Was that a shock? Yeah, uh, absolutely. It was, um, I was, I, I came back from worlds. I, I had a short break, a mandated break that all, all staff had post world championships and, uh, came back. I think it was day, day one back on deck and, um, you know, got all these ideas, all these all these different tweaks and changes to try and implement in this next six months window, and uh, yeah, got got told that I was no longer going to be the coach of the program. Um, yeah, didn't see it coming, and, and it definitely, I guess, one of the big things I reflected on through here was uh, this is the kind of thing we do to athletes as well, mm. um, and it definitely made me uh, reflect on on practices that that we how we treat athletes it's it's savage isn't it mm. so you had zero inkling zero idea no i started getting so simon um asked to catch up with me uh like a meeting on that first first day back and it was quite late in the day and uh like just before the meeting i started to go like what is this meeting about like i, I just i just assume you know catching up chat performances and stuff but yeah started to get nervous as I, as I was uh, heading towards the meeting and yeah. And was, was there reasons? Like, did it make sense? Um, oh, look, it, uh, you, you know, you look at the results of the 2020 worlds. And if you look at that snapshot individually, you'd say, yeah, thing, things weren't going right. Um, where, whether I had the solutions to, to tidy things up and, and to get the job done. Um, that that's, impossible to answer now right yeah and but also just coming back coming back to those three points which i really liked by the way those three those three key focuses at the start of that olympic campaign um it doesn't really fit two and three at all it seems like there's a disjointed nature between what you were trying to deliver and the environment that you were trying to deliver that that process in yeah definitely um there's definitely an element there alex where i guess uh, and I don't know, this is, this is a question I'll, I'll pose, I'll put out there is, uh, can you involve the high performance director in those conversations? Can you bring in, bring them in and, and be, be part of that vision or is there, does there always need to be a little bit of separation? Um, because you can definitely put a, put a lot of heart into, into the role as coach. Uh, so do you need someone who sits above it and, and can be a little bit more, uh, ruthless with their calls? Yeah. Okay. So you're saying like, so there's like, um, at the time yourself and Tim. Yep. And then there's someone that's ahead of, isn't that Simon's job or is that yeah. not Simon's job? Yeah, yeah. So that was Simon performance director. Yep. So do you reckon there needs to be another person in there or what? No, no, the- no. I'm just saying, um, everyone has their roles within a high performance department and, yeah. Uh, could could you that does Simon need to be that kind of uh, authoritative stoic figure that sits above it, or can you bring him into the vision? And um, yeah, I'd like to think that you could you could align that vision a little bit more, um, mm. but just flagging that, that there is the need sometimes for someone to make hard calls. It does that vision need to come from him? Uh, like if you think yeah. about it, 
thing about a business structure, like it's the CEO and then there's the heads of that drive that vision that the CEO yeah, speaks, for sure. believes, creates. Yeah. That's, that is that is a crazy situation to have one year out from an Olympics. Yep, yep. Did it rock the team? Oh, um, it, it's hard to think it wouldn't have. I, I obviously went through my own little journey of trying to d- deal with, with the news and, and um, probably uh, separated myself from the team quite a bit in, in that early, early stage. You know, I, di- I, did kept, I did speak to the athletes and check in and see how they were going, but probably not as much as, as I wish I did in hindsight. Um, mm. But I, I, did, I do trust um, the staff members that were carrying on in those roles and I knew that they, the people in those roles would be doing the best for them and, and, and would deliver, to, deliver them to the game. So for me, it was around trying to keep the riders having belief that the people around them were, were there to do the job for them. It's such a big change, though, for an athlete to move coaches. It's... It's enormous. And I think, I think that applies to any level. I still, I still clearly remember when Matt Gilmer first told me that he was moving to Adelaide and leaving me on the island. <laughs> he was leaving me in Tasmania. Yeah. I'm like, what do you mean? And t- turns out I was very, 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 very fortunate that he was shipping Gene Bates in, who was an exceptional coach. And it didn't take long to transition. But there is still a gap of, let's say, two weeks of overlay and then by the time the athletes build the trust in the next person, which I think is the basis, which is probably not going to play to your sports science world, but I think the basis of all coaching is just the ability for the athlete to trust whatever that coach writes down on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, that you do that and you know that you will be in the best condition come race day. It must have been a tricky time to be an athlete within the team, especially the women's team, obviously, because the men's team had a little bit more consistency. Mm. Yeah, that was, for just, sure. that was for just sure. a massive statement. No, it's good. It's good to hear your insights. It's good for you to. So let's talk, fast forward to Tokyo. We're in Tokyo. Somehow the International Olympic Committee has put on a, an Olympic Games during yeah. the global pandemic, which at the start I was a little bit, I just don't know how that sits with me. I don't know how this sits with me. But as of about two minutes into the first event, I've, I've just been, binge watching the olympic games for the last two weeks it's been awesome and i feel like i've got i've got one more is it one more week with the paris starting today oh uh, no no paris don't start straight away how long um, we got till they start one or two weeks i think okay yes. we get, get we a little get, gap little, get a gap. little bit of little yep. bit of a downer little bit yep. of a downer which you need i think um i'm pretty exhausted from this olympic i'm, I'm exhausted i don't know about you i'm exhausted <laughs> i'm exhausted um Australia's campaign. Let's talk about Australia's campaign first as a whole. Right. 17 medals, uh, best ever, Huge. equal to Athens. It just, I think that was part of my attachment to this, this year's Olympics is that every day you turn the TV on and we're bagging medals. Yeah. Like yeah. you wouldn't believe. Any, any theories why? Any theories why this Olympics was so successful? Gee, um, I think there's a few elements there. You've got to think that in the scope of COVID in the world, that Australia was pretty well placed to handle it with the way we approached it as a country. Um, a chance to just be at home and train for a lot of people. Like, don't get me wrong, there's, there were disruptions for every country, um, including our own, but I'd, I'd have to say we were pretty well placed to handle that. The, the other one you've got to go is a little bit of luck. Uh, so many medals that, you know, performances that go out on the day and they're, they're 50-50, you know, you run that race multiple times and they can go each way. And this way a lot, a lot fell our way. Um, you you got to give it that. But the other one is just in general, our desire to succeed as, in a, 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 as a sporting nation. Um, I mean, we've been on a decline, what, since, since Athens. And, you know, no, one, no one's happy about it. No one wants it. And so, yeah, there's a lot of desire and want and drive to, to get that medal metal count back up yeah yeah even um i think to your first point even looking at some some of the data around viewership in the u.s Mm. mate being the biggest the biggest consumer of the games like their their tv stats are off 
big star off 30, 30 odd percent. Um, and you think like, well, does that, does that translate into them having 30 less percent interest um, in actually the preparation? Like they went through, a tr- they actually went through a global pandemic of traumatic um, loss. Like the, there has to be a, a flow and effect to the actual athletes and how they're, how their preps coming along. The cycling then started. So we like we were riding this wave of riding this wave of swimming. Yep, swimming. swimming. <laughs> <laughs> what was the stat like early on? It was like a first ten medals, eleven or oh, nine of them were water based sports. Yeah, yeah. I don't even like. I I don't like watching swimming. You don't. I only like watching swimming because we crush the swimming because we're good at it. We're good at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like if there's a swimming race and Australians not in it, I don't enjoy watching it. Whereas um, track and field, I like watching the track and field. But I feel you. Like we were, I was hooked on the swimming for the first week. Yeah. And and it was also flowing onto other things. When you're rowing or when you're kayaking, it was if it was left, right, and center. And the track started, uh, which obviously has a, a special interest for us. And the men's and women's TP rode on the first day. Um, the women were uh, slow relative to everyone else. And then the Australians had one of the most horrific crashes you could possibly think of on the track with Porter's handlebars breaking off and him face planting into the deck at 70 K an hour, which still feels gross. What what was your take on day one? Gee, I was, um, I tell you what, I was anxious going in. Really anxious. Um, I was nervous. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I thought I could just be a spectator, you know, sit back and watch and enjoy, but um, definitely, definitely was right in it emotionally with all of them. Um, yeah. You, you feel a bit flat, don't you? When performances don't go, don't go the way watching the, the women's time, not, not come together. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely feel a bit Did flat. Did that not and come together? Like, would you consider that not coming together? Or I mean, with the German, because it just seemed like Germany was so quick. Mm-hmm. So was um, everyone expecting to be that quick? Yeah, look, I, I guess when you look at our qualifying ride versus what they managed to pull out in, in the following rounds, you, you can see that the qualifying ride wasn't representative of um, what they were capable of, for sure. Um, in terms of goal setting and, and where we needed to be to be competitive, I, I think we, we did know. We 100% knew what that was going to be. Um, my, my predictions, I was pretty happy to see um, the my, my window for the winning time was 4.05 to 4.07. It's like a 4.07 qual into a 4.05 final, and it was it was pretty pretty close. So. I think they ran 4.04 in the final? Oh, 4.04 high, Alex. We'll, we'll call 404 it 4.04 high. We'll run, so some, we'll round that some, up. some could round it to a five. Yeah, there was a nice little catch, <laughs> catch there at the end where they almost caught the team in front and... I reckon that got them just under and ruined my prediction, but yeah, it's a little yay for science there, Alex. So what? So what? What went wrong in the first ride? Noting that we are both couch commentators, absolutely. You've, you've got science on your side. I've just got opinion on my side. Like what? <laughs> what? What? Uh, what could have? Could have? Or do you think halted that that performance of that desired four oh seven? Oof. Um, I, I assume you've got to look back at the prep. That's, that's where you got to go back to. Um, uh, I'm confident that every girl who lined up on that start line gave everything to the, that they had. Um, no, no question there. Nothing wrong with the race strategy or the gear selection or anything like that. It's just they gave what they had, and um, that's where it was. Is like nerves an option? Like nerves on the day? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, we we spoke about how nervous we were. We, we yeah, weren't I even was there. Nervous. Um, the Olympic Games is big. It's a it's a big scene, um, very big scene. And these and athletes have spent the last five years doing some of the most boring cycling training in the mm-hmm. world for this one event that's going to yeah. last just over four minutes. Yeah. I, I always love the um, talking about like trying to create pressure or those kind of that, that feeling or that sensation of the games in training. But gosh, it's just not possible. There's... There's nothing with the same consequence of, of an Olympic Games. Um, Does the Com Games and Worlds come close? Um, 
world world champs is up there. But again, as you said, it's like uh, I actually listened to one of your your chats with I think Maxi Gorn um, the other day, and you were talking about cycling races. How there's always another cycling race. Uh, you, I think it was Jace, is it Jason Backer as well? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Talking about how cycling needs to create a story or something where like a race means something. Uh, the Olympic Games mean something. It I tell you that <laughs> it it means something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the men's, obviously, like, uh, oh, yeah. What are the chances that your bar, like, I assume they've been using those. Have they been using those bars for few years now, or is or um, like how long would have they been on the bikes for? Okay, versions of those bars i'm sure they've been using for long periods of time the, the specific bars they wrote on i don't know what's happened you know within the last last 18 months and they happen to break yeah on the first ride yeah it's 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 horrible horrible you, you never want you never want um equipment to dictate something like that i mean i even reflect back to rowan rowan in rio um, do you remember yeah. his, his handlebar extension breaking? Yeah. Costing him a medal, I'm, I'm pretty confident of it. Um, yeah, to have that kind of stuff let you down. Yeah. Yeah. And especially with a couple of, like, especially Porter, Porter and Wellsford, like those guys, when they've, they've gone around another Olympic cycle to, to, to chase that goal, they've spent five years grinding, five mm. years. Mm. And then for it to come unstuck after Porter got him off to such a good start as well. Like it was all, it was all ready to go. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Full credit to him. Like he is a hard man getting up Isn't again he? and starting. That is exceptional. Isn't he? Yep. The whole team. Yeah. The whole team. Yeah. You, but- you couldn't, you couldn't ask any more of them from that moment. Hey, the bars break. They, I, I loved the composure from the whole group. Uh, I, I, you know, we, we only see what we see on TV, but you get the odd camera shot of people. Um, I was really impressed with Tim, how calm Tim stayed through that. Or oh, <laughs> he, he looked composed. He looked like, yep, it, you know, it happened and let's reset and go again. So, yeah, you couldn't ask anything more, I don't think. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and they got they got to a really good point in the end with, with, with a bronze medal in strange circumstances again, mm. which is three... There's three crashes in the team's pursuit of the Olympics. Like, okay. yeah, what, what, <laughs> what do you mean? Gee, I, you got to think it's just people pushing boundaries, don't you? Like new speeds, new levels of exhaustion, and did did do you think the men knew that they had to ride a forty two? Oh, for sure, for sure. I think maybe they even thought that they had to ride faster. Um, yeah, they were they were dreaming big. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we got a bronze medal. That's a positive. Absolutely. An Olympic, an Olympic medal is a big thing. Um, it is a massive And we, we, we talk a lot about the gold. We want the gold. We always chase the gold, but an Olympic medal is special. And so talk to me about, um, I was talking about my disappointment in the, the bunch races as well. Yep, yep. Talk to me about the difference when you are doubling down on this TP, how hard it is for Wellsford and Nettie to take that and then run an Omnium afterwards in terms yeah, of their condition sure. and preparation. Yeah. So I think uh, internally, you know, we spoke about that aggressive event prioritization and uh, going after the team pursuit. Uh, the flow on from that, the belief internally was that they built a prep that was specialised around delivering the result over a, a three-minute 40 or up to, you know, four-minute 10 for the girls' uh, window. You then have to try and extrapolate that form out to bunch races lasting, um, you know, in total uh, uh, upwards of an hour. Uh, it can be pretty tricky to achieve in both. But that being said, you then you do look at a few other athletes who – from other countries who managed to do both, um, it definitely raises some questions as to as to whether whether we've taken the right line with with our specialization. Mm. Yeah, because like I said before, I was so excited when Nettie ran third in the, in that the opening scratch. Yeah, it was huge. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, but yeah, obviously, just didn't it could to take that, and the Omnium is a genuine like endurance esque event now with 
she was lining up for the the points and the what's that other race called? The tempo. The tempo race. Yeah. Um, like straight afterwards, you got no no time to relax. Real small windows. Yeah. Yeah. So what 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 do we do now? What do we do now? Hey, uh, yeah, we we, we the do, magic question. We do what every what every team does at the end of an Olympic Games. Um, you know, we sit back, we we reflect, we know what's unfolded, um, and and we make some calls on on what the new plan will be, what the new direction will be. Can we conclude that the narrow, narrow, narrow focus on one event is not the right solution? Oh, um, I'm unsure. Unsure, Alex. Like, um, or do we just yeah. need to find Filippo Ganna? Like, uh, <laughs> that, that, that's that's my question. Yeah, yeah, potentially, potentially. Um, G Ganna was special. There was a few few athletes that were really special through that track campaign. Um, Highlights. Talk me through you. Those, yeah, talk me through those athletes. Look, look, Ganna's phenomenal, right? And he, he's pulling six six laps on the front of the TP. So for the, do the maths, guys. Like it's a it's a sixteen lap bike race, and he's on the front for six of those. Uh, and and when he is, he's storming like he's going fast. You have a guy from Denmark who's who's doing a very similar role. Um, what's his uh, Madsen? We call him Madsen, but I don't know if that's actually that's one of his names. He's one of those. Guys with, Smith. No, Madsen uh, is one of those blokes with three names. Um, I haven't actually got the, I haven't got the Danish team up here. Anyway, rides fourth wheel, so very similar to Ghana, um, very similar performance. But you got to go to the women's for the standout, standout uh, team carries. Um, Chloe Dargett, you know, we, we saw her do it at Welds in, in 2020. Um, I think she did again. She did about six laps on the front, but she also rode it from second wheel, uh, which, which you would argue, argue is a little bit harder than, than Ganna's fourth wheel roll. But then you take the cake with Katie Archibald. Katie Archibald was the starter for GB. And I think in qualifying, she did seven and a half laps on the front. Seven <laughs> and a half. That's almost half the race, right? Like, uh, I, I don't you, know. You must feel like a, but, you yeah. must feel like, like a king or queen of the track after you, uh, after you deliver that kind of performance. You, go, you, you turn around and you go, I, I carried you guys. Thank yeah. You. Yeah. But beaten by the Germans, right? And the Germans probably had a little bit more of a balanced contribution in, in their women's team. Um, Lisa Brenau was very, very impressive. Yeah, um, but, it, but it wasn't, there wasn't, like you said, there wasn't that one person that he's like, oh, my God. Like when, you see, when you see the splits versus the other times, yeah, like it, one's edging, one's edging, one's edging. And then Ghana hits the front and it's like, bam. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gee, there was some exciting races this year, Alex, like, Watching them were pretty exciting. Heart- heartbroken to not have the Aussie teams in those in some of those races, but yeah. You, so you look it, at uh, round one, Italy, Italy versus New Zealand. It's pretty good, isn't it? Point oh nine of a second. So, like that's the difference between New Zealand being in the final instead of Italy. Point oh nine. Yeah. yeah, that's small. Yeah, uh, a lot of our listeners, road cycling fans, will know Filippo Ganna. Mm. Um, and Consoni, mm. both road pros who yep. have been, but also have been riding the road this year. It's not like they've been hidden away on the, the uh, Mappe test track, whatever the Italians use, um, on with a sole focus on the track. They've come to the road. They've come yeah. to the track late from the road. Yep. Does that not prove that that is a genuine option? It, there's definitely a big trend in that direction, isn't there? There's plenty of anecdotal evidence on the table now to show that these guys who have amazing um, um, uh, capabilities to ride on the road and perform on the road and at the same time perform on the track. Um, I, I even look at Chloe Digert, the form she was in 2020 uh, track versus what she was in here at the Games. It probably wasn't quite as... Um, like it's still big and, and totally unfair to say that she was uh, not on form because she was still very impressive. But when you look at what she was doing on the road, uh, the road world's closest to that 2020 track, like both were really, really impressive in the same year. Uh, then you go to this Olympic Games where she did the road on the track, 
road was down a bit and track was down a bit as well. Um, so maybe they're a little bit more aligned than we think. So Hugh Consulting, the next director of the high performance unit, what, what, what's the strategy? What are you saying? Hey, um, yeah, gee, I, give me, I, give me something big here. Give me some, <laughs> give me some big bold call. This, this is going to, this is going to be the this one is, that gets all the, all this the is the comments. social clip. Yeah. This is the social clip. Jason right. Bartram said, what? Put this out and yeah. Um, yeah, look, I, I'll say this first, Alex, but before, before I give you my, my little snip is the guys in the guys and girls at Oz Cycling will be thinking through these same things as well. So don't think it's like, oh, I'm coming up with it first. They're going to do the same reflections. They're seeing the same things as well. But And they're, every they're, other high-performance unit in the world. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, look, there's no doubt that uh, I think, yeah, we, we've gone a little bit too hard down the line of, of um, team, what we thought was team pursuit specialization and aerobic qualities and aerobic capabilities, which is what you see a lot more of on the road is, is probably a bit more critical than we thought. And also just for an athlete's career, it's something I've been thinking about a lot. Now you see um, the full team either retiring or going to the, going to the road. Porter's out. Wellsford looks like he's going to the road. Um, Kel's going to bike exchange. Plappy's going to Ineos uh, and Lee's retiring. Like, for those guys too, the ro- the road is such an important part of if they want to make money out of this sport. They, sure. get, they get a nice little government payment, but they're not they're not buying houses with um with the cash that they're earning. No, and there's big money to be made. But if you're spending four five years in this circumstance um, to pursue this gold medal opportunity, you're losing out on some such quality road time. Whereas if you can couple that development couple that preparation with a road career there's there's so much more upside for the athlete as well oh for sure um it'll be really interesting to see in this campaign and you know we often judge uh we judge people's impact in the sport over probably too short a window Uh, so for example if if you think if you honestly think that uh sam wellsford and kelly brian and luke plapper lost to the track I'd like to. I'd like to hope that they're not, and I'd like to hope that they now have such a foundation of track skills and experience that if they do go off to the road for a few years, um, as long as we have an environment where the doors open for them to come back, uh, you know, we could see see some of these boys lining up again and chasing chasing that gold again. Yeah. So try. So you say you try and like. Um, so we've got three years. You try and keep them. Do a little bit of track for a couple of years, but not really, and then really you'd want them back for the last year or how, how long would you want to get them back for? Yeah. I mean, the, the, the cool thing is how much they've got the foundation, right? Like that's there. They're not going to forget how to ride the track. Yeah. Like riding a bike. Hey, you never forget, Yeah, but still left-hand turns. Um, yeah. <laughs> Unless they change the direction. <laughs> Gee, that would be crazy. Wouldn't it? Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, exactly as you said, Alex. Dabble them in, give them little bits here and there, keep them, keep them hungry, and uh, pull them in for that last year. The only thing I'm thinking is like they'll obviously want to lose a, a little bit of weight for the road. Mm-hmm. And I remember talking to Wellsford about how much gym he was doing, and like, you, and you see the size of him, like, guy's an animal. Yeah, yeah. How how does that affect his track speed? Yep. Or does the road prep just out, out, outweigh the benefits that he's getting from the track and size that he has? Yeah. Look, there's um, and I and I went um, I went around in circles with this a little bit while whilst I was working in the program is around how important is lean mass to team pursuit performance. Um, there, there is no doubt that there's a there's a layer, and this is what I think a lot of people forget, is that there's a layer around strength training that isn't just around mass, mass gain. So you can improve someone's strength without getting heavier. And that potentially is where some of those qualities need to be maintained, um, but potentially the lean mass element uh, can't, the lean mass element can't, 
be placed as over-important of aerobic capabilities. How do you measure lean maths? Lean mass, so... Or mass, not mass. Yeah, yeah, so like how how much it weighs. So we got all the muscle from your body, how much much does it weigh? Um, The the main approach we use is is DEXA scans. So it's literally like doing an X-ray and it's basically to do with the, the density of muscle that's in your body. Uh, we can kind of attribute up what part of you is fat, what part of you is muscle and, and bone. Does, um, do you think there's going to be more of a focus on that kind of measurement moving away from we're talking more cycling in general. So like road mm-hmm. as well, do you think there's, that's going to become of more importance than just the, seemed like the previous way was you just lost weight. You just got skinnier. <laughs> just get lean as like, just, yeah, just yeah. cut down those calves, just clock miles and you'll be great. Yeah. You'll do 400 watts your entire life, but you'll just lose a kilo each year. Yeah. Um, for sure. Alex, to be honest, I think you're, you're already a little bit behind and outdated here in terms of what you experienced maybe in that world versus mm. what's already happening in, in, in the proteins a lot more these days. Um, there's a lot of smart guys, a lot of progressive science, um, going into making sure that they are uh, performance-related body comp discussions and decisions as opposed to um, just having no, no bread before dinner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have you got uh, one big call to leave us with for, the, for Paris? What are, what are we going to see on the track? In Paris, it's so unknown, isn't it? Like uh, obviously with Simon departing, we'll have a new performance director. Um, presume, presumably we'll have a new performance director and it'll be up to them to kind of set the vision and set the tone, won't it? Um, what are we going to uh, see though? What, what's going to be the next big thing? It, 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 talking in general, are we going to see Brody's coming back? Are we going to see Ghana still dominating? Are we going to see the, the German girls just continue to crush it? Is four, is, are the girls going to go under four minutes? Girls under four, wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be huge? Um, no, no reason why they well, they're shouldn't. They're not far off. No now. reason why they could. Do, do you know it's really fun? What, what I love to do and um, is, is you put together your team pursuit dream teams. So you yeah. kind of go, all right, I'm going to have Diget, I'm going to have Brenau, I'm going to have Katie Archibald, I'm going to put them all together. I'm going to put in Georgia Baker, and I'm going to say, you know, how fast can could they possibly ride? Um, and how fast could they go? Well, gee, I haven't I haven't looked at the numbers uh, uh, this time around, but yeah. You got to think they could nudge that four-minute barrier, which is which is bonkers, absolutely bonkers. Yeah. To think where we were, like starting the prep post post London, um, with the boys, and yeah. What were the boys post London? What, what, what were we riding? Uh, I think GB rode like a like we were like a fifty-three, fifty-four at London from memory. And that was crazy because it was sub four. It's like wow, sub four. Yeah. Well, well that, that's the really cool one here, Alex, around the Germans. Like, so I don't know if you remember, but the Germans were the ones to break the four-minute mark uh, in the men's TP. And, and there was, you know, a huge amount of effort and, and um, the whole country, you know, the way the stories are told is that all of Germany was behind that. Um, this is really huge journey. And, and so now to see the Germans back up on top in, in the women's, I just think is really cool to, to see them, you know, back in the endurance track landscape. Yeah. Um, Overall, it's just awesome that the team pursuit is a thriving competition and there's so many teams fighting for those medals. You know, it's just, it's exciting to be a part of. How much speed comes down to technology? Mm, yeah, a lot, a lot, Alex. Yeah. Like how much? What, what, is a, what does a skin suit get you? A good skin suit versus a shitty skin suit? You, you know, yeah. I mean, look, we're looking two seconds, I think, from in terms of a, an aero package. Um, from kind of like your stock standard versus your optimized area package. We're looking in that two second, two second mark. Isn't that just crazy? Yeah. You can you know train, train all this much, all, all you want, but you're going to get two seconds out of wearing the right outfit. What, what really bothers me here is this kind of idea that two teams can line up on the track either side. They can race once and one team wins by say half a second. You could then swap equipment race again and potentially get a different result mm. and as much as i love innovation and and tech uh, to me that doesn't stand true to, to what what sport is about um so as much as i, I love it i also a bit frustrated by it yeah it just turned into formula one yeah for sure is for sure. is 
they're that much in the bikes as well? Um, you would say definitely smaller uh, on the actual frame, at least. Um, you generally go skin suit, helmet, and then kind of front end. Helmet makes so much difference. Can do, yeah. Yeah, it's all, then, it's all part of that. Yeah. And then when you say front end, like handlebars? Handlebars and the position that it put it can put you in. Um, so, you know, the, the rider's frontal service area is still the, the dominant thing causing drag, um, and hence where you can get the most change. So would, would GB have the fastest gear still? Wasn't it interesting? So, like, we were all waiting. So GB are well known for having probably one of the best four-year periodization plans where they, they come out of the Olympics and they're like just a level above what we've seen from them previously. And so they come out here and but they weren't that good at 2020 worlds, you know, same as us. They were a little bit off the mark and, um, you know, watch them line up and, and wait for them to race. And, and the GB men weren't that crash hot, to be honest, you know, they, they, they didn't set the world alight. And so I go, Oh, wow. It's finally, finally the GB tech hasn't done it for them. Um, but then you looked at the women's team and they were flying. So, and, and they were flying in a lot of bunch races as well. Mm, um, quick on the track and yeah, everything else. So who there. knows? It, it's really hard to know, right? Like internally, if you've got the data on your own athletes, you can work out what the contribution from the rider was from a physical perspective. And you can work out what the effect of the tech was, but without that data, it's, it's a little bit of guesswork. Because like for the Italians, it seemed like they were just riding Pinarellos. Just Pinarellos. They're beautiful they're, bikes. Like they're beautiful bikes. gorgeous bikes. And they're obviously, they're obviously quick because Team Sky used, uh, Ineos used them and you pretty much can't be an Ineos partner without being. Who's that? Who's, one who's of, it? One of the best. Who's that? Yeah. Oh, Ineos. Oh, right. Ineos, Ineos Grenadiers. Yeah, yeah. Who's that? Like, do they, do they have as much innovation tech funding as the Australians and GBs? And then the Kiwis? What were the Kiwis riding? Kiwis. Um, yeah, well, it's funny. Like, a lot of time, again, you're going just to the bike frame, aren't you? But that's, it's the smallest part, right? We're looking at skin suit, helmet, rider position. They're, they're kind of your big, big carrots. Would everyone have the same skin suit? No. So everyone's um, got different skin suits. Everyone has similar theories, I think, around the skin suits. Um, you know, pretty basic patterns where you'd see kind of textured areas and smooth areas. But the, the coolest one that stood out was the, the Kiwi skin suit. So did, you, did you have a look at that? No. I, I just watched them ride. All oh, right. <laughs> I, I thought you'd, you'd see because it, it's like glossy. There's like areas that were a bit like glossy and shiny, um, mm. which looked a bit different too. To whatever what other country do? had. Well, it's it's a really smooth section, right? So um, the the battle of aerodynamics is around controlling airflow and, and trying to have it go and and behave in the way that you want it to behave, and that's through having smooth, really smooth sections and really textured sections, and getting those in in all the right spots. Yeah, yeah. Wow, it's all happening. It's all happening. Yeah, yeah. And so now they'll embark on just another four year innovation campaign. You'd think so, wouldn't you? I guess all, all the engineers so, of the world would sit down and get planning. So my question is, say you've got what 50 million bucks to allocate for four years. How much of that are you putting to tech? Uh, pending. So, so the tricky part here is if the UCI come in and change any rules, which is what they've, you know, been doing over the last few cycles is you almost, you almost got to kind of have this broad R and D approach that's ready to handle any UCI rules that come up. Um, so for example, the UCI changed a lot of rules around skin suit design and the kind of materials that were allowed to be used, they could do it again. Right. So imagine if you went heads down, uh, spent, spent $49 million on a new skin suit, you got, you got a meal left to, uh, to, to, uh, you know, buy your food for the, for everyone for the next couple of years. And then, uh, yeah, the UCI changed the rules that, that would be pretty devastating, but I'd say they'd probably start broad you know, try and think through all the different areas they can make gains in. And yeah, but yes, you've got to spend money on the equipment. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I, th I think that's unfortunate. Yeah. I just I'd wish you could. I'd love to you see could, a change. Yeah. I just, but also I just wish you could just take, I don't know, whatever the latest TT bike is and just chuck a fixed gear on it and go, you bitty. It's rock yeah. and roll. Well, well the, the really cool one, and, and I'm not going to claim this idea because I'm pretty sure I stole it from somewhere else, but imagine. You claim it. I'll imagine, cut that bit out. I'll cut that bit out. 
imagine you show up to the games uh, or world championships and there's a bike, bike supplier that gives everyone track bikes and there's, there's four sizes and they give you skin suits as well. So there's actually like an official supplier to these games. Um, did you, I, I just think that would really be, be really cool. Did you see the German in the pentathlon to really get off topic? Where no, she was, no. she was the horse. She was in the gold medal position. She was going to win, and a horse I've just wouldn't jump over there. I've seen the memes from it. Yeah, and apparently, they just get a horse like at the Olympics. You just rock, rock up, up and you get a horse. Yeah, so no one yep. can have a better horse. Yep, that seems let's, crazy. Let's do it. Who do you know? Who do you know that we're going to make the official bike supplier? Of well, the, we can uh, have um, we can have map apparel. Perfect. So everyone will have super quick skin suits. Perfect. So uh, everyone will be really fast. Everyone will be really fast. And really That's comfortable good. and That's really good. fashionable. And they look exceptional. That's yeah. the most important yeah. part. Um, all, made, all made and designed in Melbourne. So not made in Melbourne, designed in Melbourne, made in Italy. So the Italians will be happy. They'll be happy. Um, and then, yeah, just get some bikes to Melbourne Stars or something. Perfect. Huffies. Kmart yeah, special. Huffies. You'll be ready to go. Then let's see what we can do. Alrighty. Thank you very much for your time, Jason. It's great to chat. It's great to hear your story as well. I think that, that was that was great to to yeah, get a better understanding of. And uh we wish you all the best in all your future career moves. Yeah, thanks, Alex. Don't, don't go to the dark side. Don't don't jump shit. You know what you know your we don't want your expertise on the other side of the water. Hey. We'll see. See what who who sends me an email first. Yeah. <laughs> well, they'll be coming after this interview. Don't you worry. Oh, mate. All the gems I've dropped. Thanks, Matt. We'll talk soon. Cheers, Alex. Bye. Bye.